Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, a Friday, September 17th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Rookie camp continues, training camp just a couple of days away, and the regular season not that far off as well. In between that, we'll get to some preseason games. But joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily to talk about the passing of Lou Angotti, to talk about rookie camp, and to look at the first homestand of the season from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, hockey season is essentially here. You know, every everybody's in camp, the veterans and the, the rookies, and, uh, you know, there's a, a lot to look forward to over the next week to 10 days. It's going to, after after being dragging month after month after month, where it felt like hockey season was, you know, a long way away, now things are going to start happening quickly. So that's that's a good thing. You know, I rationalized it at the end of last season that this this offseason is not going to feel that long because everything was pushed back a bit. I was going, well, if you don't make the playoffs, that was basically like ending on the calendar as if you made it through almost two rounds of the playoffs. So it won't feel that long. It's felt pretty long. <laughs> it, has re- it's been, it, feels like a, it feels like ages since the Flyers yeah. last played a game. It really does. And, and especially when you consider how the, the taste in our mouth at the end of the season, it was it was. You know, you, you wouldn't maybe be chomping at the bit for to get it back uh, with in a passionate way like we are, but all the changes on and off the ice, I think, are necessitating that that thirst right now. Sure, I mean, we you know uh, we have and many others have as well. They they look at all the changes on paper, and you know, Chuck Fletcher said it himself on, on paper, this is a much improved team. You don't know till they are actually on the ice and see how it comes together, and you know, it's like let, let, let's get going, let's see how it comes together. Yeah, I can't wait, and we're going to start to get some answers. Uh, we'll talk about rookie camp in a second, but uh, first let's uh, go with the passing of Lou Angotti because he was the first man uh, in the 1967-68 season and the first captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. And we know the lineage of what that C means and, and some of the names, obviously Clark and Richards. Uh, you know, you look at Claude Giroux has been the longest tenured captain in Flyers history and other names from Eric Lindros and Eric Desjardins and, and, and Keith Primo, Mel Bridgman, who wore the C is another one. Rick Tockett, who wore the C, Jason Smith. We've talked about captains for so long and to lose the first captain in franchise history, even though he only played here for one season in Philadelphia. Uh, it was a legacy that he started with the C on the Flyers sweater. Oh, 100 percent. And. You know, you go back to in Flyers history, and, and I talked for a while with Joe Watson, who played on that first team today, and, and he, he made a great point. You know, you have 20 players coming from six different organizations because there was the original six. Uh, you know, so a lot of these guys had never played together before. There's no identity. It's a brand-new franchise. Uh, and, and Keith Allen specifically chose Lou Angotti because he epitomized the identity he wanted the team to have unselfish team-oriented solid two-way player you know on a roster that didn't have a lot of scoring but did have goaltending playing a two-way game was a necessity and you know uh, Lou Angotti epitomized that and work ethic he was he was a very hard-working player and you look, you look at that Flyers first season they won the Western Division and you know they beat all the original six teams at least once and Joe Watson gives Lou Angotti a significant amount of credit for the, the leadership he instilled right off the bat. And he, he gave an example where he said that, that Lou and his, his wife were living in Springfield at the time and he would host team parties throughout the season for, you know, and he said that was a big reason why they, they came together very quickly and bonded as a team, you know, and uh, 
they they truly overachieved that year. They did lose in the first round to, to St. Louis in a war of a series. But that right off the bat, that was part of that hardworking identity that the Flyers came to epitomize. But he, he was working from a blank slate at the time. And, you know, if you look at uh, Angadi, who was a, a player who was a college graduate in an era when not very many players went to college and was a future NHL head coach, albeit for struggling teams without a lot of talent. But bright, bright hockey guy. I had the uh, the true honor of meeting him twice. Um, it was the Flyers' 50th anniversary reception. I met him there, and there was Captain's Night during the 50th anniversary season. Remember and uh, what a, what a what a wonderful gentleman he was! Just yeah. a just a delightful guy, friendly, approachable, down to earth, and and I said a very important piece of the early history of the team. It's a big loss. You, you know, it's it's I, it's almost ironic that the first captain is a hardworking guy that wanted to bring players together on and off the ice. And you look at what Philadelphia sports fans, and I'm not just talking about flyers. They always want their players to be honest and play hard and, you know, give an honest effort. It's not about the skill that you have if you play the right way and going all the way back to that 1967, 68 season, that was the identity from the jump. I imagine that Keith Allen knew the identity of the city and mirrored it. No question. No question. And that was, uh, you know, that, that was the kind of team that even even ownership, you know, Ed Snyder wanted to have yeah. that identity on, on the team. And, uh, you know, the Flyers then they didn't have a lot of guys who'd even at least among the forwards who'd even been in the NHL the previous year. He'd been with Chicago. So, um, you know, just 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 a very important part of, of connecting with the fans. I mean, even though he only spent one year. With the uh, with the Flyers, whenever Lou Angadi would come back to Philadelphia, he was always very warmly greeted and, and very fondly remembered. Yeah, and uh, rest in peace to Lou Angadi. Uh, Eighty three years of age. Am I correct about that? Correct. Eighty three. Yes. Eighty three years of age. First Flyers captain uh, has passed away. Uh, Bill, let's look at rookie camp because it's underway. Uh, players are on the ice. We got to hear from Ian Laperriere yesterday, and you know we're getting observations of players now trying to put themselves in a position. To make the roster now is, you know, development camps, one thing you can make an impression. Now it's about the body of work through rookie camp and then regular training camp that can really push the Flyers brass coaching staff management to some tough decisions that is now underway. There'll be a, 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 I guess a, a rookie game exhibition game on Saturday against the Rangers up in New York and on Sunday at the uh, Flyers practice facility. Uh, but camps underway and, some players really are looking to make an impression first and foremost with Morgan Frost. Yeah. And he's up to, he's up to a really good start so far too. And mine was one day of rookie camp after a development camp, but when you're coming off of a serious surgery um, and it's been a long time, I mean, if you, if you go back to March of 2020, when the, you know, the NHL was put in pause mode, Morgan's played one game and one period of hockey yeah. since that time. That's tough. Uh, that's really tough. And, uh, you know, as, as Ian LaPerriere said today, that, that he, uh, so far he's doing everything that's asked of him. He's added weight and muscle. He's looked really good in drills, you know, uh, through, through the first day. I mean, in order for, for Morgan to, you know, press to, to make the NHL roster, he's going to have to have a big camp. Yeah. And even if he doesn't make the camp, he has to have the, the belief that uh, the competition is going to be ongoing throughout the season. So, so even if he doesn't start the season, the NHL roster, you know, it, it, it's something where 
if there's an injury, if there's some performance issues, he has to make himself the first call-up option and then play to a level where, where he does hold down a job and makes himself a guy you wouldn't even think about sending back down again. That, that can be tough on a, on a young player because they've never been, they've never been cut. Before they've never they they you know they they're used to dominating at every level. The, things came very easily for Morgan in the, in the uh, Ontario Hockey League, where he had 109 points or 100, 112 points, then 109 in fewer games the year after that. You know he had a dominant World Junior Championships, makes the AHL All Star Game as a rookie. You know and and really he's just scratching the surface of, of what he can do. So still becoming a better two way player. As we said, we're you know adding size and strength. It's all it's not all an evolutionary process for a young player, but uh, you know he's uh, so so far so good with him, and and he's drawn a lot of praise for not just for today or the first day of, of rookie camp, but for the off season he's had. So that that's encouraging to hear. Yeah, and coming in in the proper condition and adding the the requisite pieces of physical you know physical elements to his body that they asked him to do, and and that's a big part of it. And you know, I know he's I know he's close with Joel Farabee, and and he can lean on Joel in this in this time because Joel last year, or two years ago rather, uh, was a guy that was cut in camp, and was when they were in the Czech Republic, and Lane Vigneault had that talk with him. I remember seeing it on behind the glass on that expose they did with the Flyers, and you know, go down, do the right things, and when you get back up here, you're not going to leave. Joel Farabee just signed a, a very lucrative ex- extension, not that too soon thereafter. So. Uh, some things that certainly Morgan can can lean on in, in Joel if he doesn't make the team out of camp. It's not a be-all, end-all, and just got to put yourself in position. He's one of the the incredible storylines of this rookie camp. Um, you know, rookie camp, we didn't get to see this normal preseason last year, Bill. It was basically get everybody together, put them on the ice, have these really succinct, uh, for lack of a better term, practice and workouts, and get out of the building and no preseason games, and let's start a 56-game hockey season with games bunched together and very little practice time. This year, that's not the case. We had development camp. We're in rookie camp. Training camp's going to open next week. They're going to have six preseason games, a couple with these two rookie exhibition games as well. All of that bodes well for a better product right out of the gate too, doesn't it? No, oh, 100%. There, there's a uh, a process for getting ready for opening night, and it doesn't you know, it doesn't excuse the Flyers' record last season or anything like that. They got out of the gate good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, actually, they did. They, they beat the Penguins back to back at home uh, mm-hmm. last year to start the season, and they they were what was it eleven four and three through eighteen games last year. Yeah. So the you know, the rec the record was there, but the the process wasn't there. Yeah. Um. You know, Sean Couturier refers to it as getting the summer hockey out of your game, and they never did that last year. It, it was the, even when they were winning, they were winning despite themselves. They were they were outscoring their breakdowns, yeah. and you can't do that forever. And uh, it, it caught up to them. And eventually, they eventually, you know, one thing will drag down the other. And eventually, in the second half of the season, they were they weren't scoring that great either. So it's uh, you know they they never got the process right. Now now in camp from day one, that they have to get the process right. That that's critical, particularly because you have a lot of pieces you have to fit together and, and gel as a team. So you know, do you have to do you have to have the best record in the league through October? No, but you can't get off to too slow start of a start either. And you know, all, all that will start to come together in these next few weeks. It has to. Is the number one preach point for Elaine Vigneault and the coaching staff? There's new faces, and and you're you're right. Those players need to come together and 
learn to play on instinct with each other and knowing where your D partner is or where Cam Atkinson likes the puck on the power play to release that that great release that he's got and you know all of those elements. But is the number one preach point structure in the D zone and how they exit the D zone for you? That's a that, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> you know, uh, spend le- spend less time defending. You know, yes. De- defend well when you have to, but spend less time doing it. Um, you know, the, the D zone is part of the Flyers. Run a very good neutral zone team last year mm-hmm. either. Um, it was way that to me was one of the biggest differences between uh, the year before and last season. Was it was way too easy for for teams to get through the neutral zone. Uh, I think the the immediate tendency is a lot of times to to blame the defensemen, and they they certainly did have a good year, and you could see by all the changes on the blue line that they they certainly owned a significant piece of it. But when your forwards aren't back checking, when there's the gaps are too big, and you know the other side can fly through the neutral zone, it forces your defensemen to back in, yeah. and when your defensemen back in, they're at a disadvantage. So it's uh, you know to me it's to me it's all three zones. But, uh, yeah, to me, the number one thing is coming out of the D zone, navigating the neutral zone, getting a full check going. Yeah, they could. A lot, you looked at last year and you thought a lot of the problem was the four check. But it really was the byproduct of what happened in the neutral zone that didn't allow the four check to, to kind of get in and run that 2-1-2 split and, and really get on their opponent, force turnovers, because what they were doing with the puck in the neutral zone when attacking, too, was not good enough. So – it looked like the root, the, the problem was the, the four check, but the root cause w- was what was taking place in the neutral zone with that one, two, two. And you're right. Teams getting through it. And when you don't get pucks deep, you're just giving the opposition less ice to travel. Therefore they're on top of you quicker and they can beat that four check. If you don't get the puck deep much easier and they're going the other way with numbers and you're chasing that, that was, that was it in a nutshell for me last year. Yeah, And then defending just far too much. <laughs> Oh, exactly, exactly. And even if you're the best defensive team in the league, Can't you know, defend you're that sitting, much. Sitting all night defending, you're 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 in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much talent in the league, and too many too many things happen too. Too many, uh, you know, too many things that are beyond your control. Where you you know, if you, if you don't clean up the mistakes that you can prevent, then uh, you know you're you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of games like they had last year. You know, yeah. where you're where you're trying to outscore your mistakes, and that's just that just is not sustainable. Yeah, the tail's wagging the dog at that point. <laughs> it's just nothing you can do. Um, real quick, uh, Chuck Fletcher mentioned something in his availability uh, the other day, and I saw the Carolina Hurricanes tweeted out that they were going to be 100% vaccinated. Chuck Fletcher said his team's going to be 100% vaccinated and hockey operations staff. Uh, th- that's a good thing to not have to worry about that. Look, there can be breakthrough cases, we understand, and this virus is unpredictable. But to have your entire team vaccinated heading into this season, I think, is is, is a big, big thing. It's not something to just gloss over. No, it, it, it's huge. And even if there are some breakthrough cases, you know, but statistically, those tend to be less serious, less lingering. You know, uh, I mean, any, anything can happen. But, you know, if you look at like what uh, you know, I, I think that I think that if you look at a case like uh, Ristolainen in Buffalo last Oof. year, I mean that that was that was brutal. That was, that was just that was just hellish for him what he went through. Um, you know, even even a guy like Travis Konechny, um, you yeah. know, with his fiance was pregnant at the time and he's isolated and he was having, you know, not uh, not thankfully not major symptoms, but but significant enough that he was feeling pretty miserable for a while. And I don't I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, after 
after uh, he got out of the gates. He got out, remember he got out of the gates very quickly offensively. Yeah. Um, I think he had like eight points in the first seven games. Um, you know, and then he cooled off just a little bit. But when he after after COVID, and then he came back. That's when he had that long drought. He was never really himself the rest of the season. And I yeah. and while he doesn't want to use it as an excuse, and there were other contributing things, I think that's a piece of it. Yeah, it certainly has to be. That's just a reality. It's not an excuse. It's the reality of it. And you're right about Ristolainen. and he talked about it last year with a Finnish newspaper. I mean, he said that he did, when he was going to bed at night, he didn't know if he was going to wake up the next day. He couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. And for Flyer fans that maybe don't know a lot about Ristolainen, he's as fit as Ivan Provorov. He's a fitness freak of nature. For him not to be able to walk up a flight of stairs and be able to get air and breathe is a significant amount of, you know, symptoms from from COVID. And he he had it in a bad way. And from what I understand, they had the Brazilian strain in Buffalo too, which really debilitated a bunch of their players. And uh, tough to come back from that and play hockey. Uh, none, you know. Just come back from that and try and be normal and, you know, everyday activity. Couple that with a condensed NHL season. It's no party. (laughs) So uh, that's a big part of it, too. Bill, uh, because I'm one of those people that has been chomping at the bit like you and because I'm a planner. I like when everything comes out, I start writing everything down. I have my big desk day planner, my one I carry around. I still carry around an old school one because I don't trust my phone. Right. So I have to write everything down. And I like to plan and I get excited. So I want to look at the first four games of the regular season, the first homestand. They open up at home this year. They haven't done that a lot. They did last year with the two against Pittsburgh. But prior to that, it was opening up in L.A. or at the Czech Republic and out on the West Coast, which is great for the team to get one of those big trips out of the way. So you're not doing it in the middle of a season. But this year, they're opening up with four straight games at home, a new-look Flyers team. And by the way, you can sign up for the Flyers Wire newsletter at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and receive exclusive access to pre-sales for all preseason and regular season October games. Pre-sale begins on September 21st. Just visit PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. So let's look at these first four games. And I got some storylines, and I want to hear what you think of them as well. The first four games, they're going to open the season coming up on October 15th against an odd opponent. Not an odd opponent, but one we probably have never seen to start a season in the Vancouver Canucks. Now, that's just 29 days away, right? So four weeks from tonight. Flyers, Canucks. Elias Pettersson's not signed yet. Quinn Hughes is not signed yet. They'll get done. They're restricted free agents. They had a tough year last year with the COVID outbreak that they had in Vancouver as well. And they were a team the year before that really opened up some eyes, did some things in the bubble, got some good young players. Thatcher Demko, the goaltender. And Quinn Hughes and, like I said, Pedersen, dynamic players. Opening night's always great. But against a team like Vancouver, it could be a little, could be a little fun. Oh, sure. I mean, you you look at the, you know, it's pretty good guy like Pedersen, who's a, you know, star in the league. You know, if he, if he played in, uh, he let's put it this way, if he played in Toronto rather than Vancouver, you know, he'd be uh, he'd be all over uh, NHL Network and you know all. That. I mean, he's just he's he's a dynamic talent. Um, they were, yeah, as you said, they overachieved maybe a little a couple couple seasons ago. Came back down to earth this past year, but that's a you know that's a, that's a team. It was really there's not a team in the league that you you can take lightly, particularly coming off the year the Flyers did. But that that's an interesting way to, to start a season, you know. Uh, and a because there's the although it's been a long time since Av coached in uh, Vancouver, it's still it, it's a team a team he coached to a Cup final, even you know, even though a win within. A Stanley Cup, which is as close as they've ever gotten, done it twice. Um, you know, so there, there's that. 
Um, but I mean, I, I mean, really, it's just just getting off on the right foot because a year ago, although the Flyers, as we referenced, did beat uh, Pittsburgh in those two f- first home games, you know, it was not a good year at home. The year before that, the Flyers were a dominant home team. Last year, the Flyers were anything but a dominant home team. It was almost a home ice disadvantage as the the season went along for them. So, getting off on a winning note at home is crucial. And it, I, the Flyers, I think, did once open a season before against Vancouver at home because it was the Sedin Twins NHL debut. So it's oh, been a long wow. time. Yeah. Ooh, wow, that has been a while. They're both in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, you know, when we got fans back last year. We started the season and it was you, me, and a couple other reporters and some broadcasters hanging out in a huge stadium watching these games. And it was, dare I say, it was almost uncomfortable, like the feeling, right? It just didn't feel right. It felt soulless. It felt, you know, like a hospital, like very sterile environment without fans. And then we got some fans, but the season was off the rails at that point, And there wasn't much to cheer about. This year, it's a new look team. And it can be capacity. It's going to be a, so much more fun in that building. And we need to look no long, no further than the second game of the season. So they open up on a Friday night. I love a Friday night opener too, by the way. And then Monday night will be game two. And it's the return of Dave Hackstall and the Seattle Kraken. How about an early look at the Kraken? That's got to be the storyline heading into game two is the return of Hack <laughs> behind the bench as a head coach. Yes. And I'm, and I'm sure Dave will get a, Warm welcome, but he'll, he'll take it in. He'll take it in, you know, in good the chance. He'll be coming down from the rafters. No, no, no question, no question. That's an interesting team, just because they had a. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think they, they necessarily had the expansion draft that I think a lot of people, myself included, were expecting. Um, but they've they've built a pretty solid blue line, which is, which is more the classic formula if you think about it for for an expansion team being able to win some, some low scoring games, um, you know, and uh, they're not playing with any pressure this year either. And they're, they're in a visiting building too. So, you know, I, I expect them to be a, a pesky team. I don't expect them to be any kind of powerhouse this year, but uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going to replicate exactly, you know, what, what uh, Vegas did their first year, but I think that that's a team where, uh, you know, you don't know what to expect from them going in. Um, you know there there are no pre scouts though, so it's uh, yeah. you know you're you're kind of flying you're kind of flying with the unknown. So that's always uh, uh, that's a challenge in and of itself. I, I gotta say that they did a phenomenal job on the uniforms. I love the uniforms, and we're seeing all the goalie setups coming out now, and all the you know the new masks and everything, and and they've done such a good job with with that team uh, in the way it looks. It's gonna look good on the ice and. I guess the only question will be, are we going to see in that game between the pipes, you know, Chris Dreger or Philip Grubauer? <laughs> they did pretty good in net with, with uh, their expansion. So we'll see how that plays out uh, for the Seattle Kraken and the return of Dave Haxtall. Those are two teams, obviously, Seattle, we've never seen before. Vancouver, we didn't see last year because, you know, they were north of the border and they only played teams in the division. And the only team in the first four games that they did see last year, and they probably saw too much of them all eight times, was the Boston Bruins. And that's the third game of the season. That'll be on Wednesday, October 20th. But, Bill, it's interesting because this Boston team, while Patrice Bergeron is coming back to play the final year of his contract and then determine his future thereafter, they are getting a little long in the tooth. They have been. They've been able to buck that trend. Uh, but no Tuka Rast, at least to begin the season. They, they've signed Linus Allmark and 
him and Jeremy Swayman will share the duties in net. And, you know, you still have the line, the perfection line, but is Boston a team that going into this season would be one that you go, that was in the playoffs last year, but you may pencil that there could be a chance that they could be one of the teams that misses this year. We seem to say that for and, and every year, the last three years, but it hasn't happened yet. Is this the year? Yeah, I, I still think there's enough pieces that are there. And Pasternak is so good. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that whole that whole top line. I mean, yeah. you know, Marshawn can, uh, you know, Marshawn is still a pain in the neck. He can still score goals. He can still do, you know, all the Brad Marshawn things that he does. So, uh, you know, they're, they're not as deep as they were a couple of years ago. Um, you know, losing Krejci hurts. And he mm-hmm. was always throwing on the flyer side as, as their second center. Um, so, you know, it, 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 I I don't know. I don't know if the team is going to hold together for a, a deep run. I expect they'll. I expect them to be fine for half of a season, and then you know, and then see. And you know, we'll see how. I mean, the, the, you know, that that'll be something we'll talk about down the line. How much the Olympics are going to affect. Yeah. Teams, but I I think that Boston is a team that um, might kind of suffer in the latter end of the season, and they did that even last year during the shortened season too. They yeah. were. They were not the same team late in the season they were early on. So that's a that's a pretty good test off the bat. And, you know, it's also a good test, incidentally, of the, the Flyers' new-look penalty kill because they tortured the Flyers on the, oh. uh, when they were in the power play last season. Yeah, great point. You're right about that. And you, you look at, the, you know, that Boston team, and they can throw that line out there. They can score shorthanded on you too. Brad Marchand is a great shorthanded player. Uh, but uh, you know they'll be, they'll be tough, and they're they're well coached, especially in the beginning of a season. You know Cassidy's going to have the attention of his players coming in this year, and it'll be interesting to see if Rask does eventually come in. He's been a flyer killer. If he's going to come back, or you know that I think it was the hip surgery that he had. It's a tough one to come back from for a goalie yeah. at his age. And they did kind of sign Linus Elmark to be you know if if Rask doesn't come back, he's going to be the guy that's going to be the number one. Yeah, underrated goalie. I mean he. Yeah. He was on a bad Buffalo team, but he played quite well on a bad team. So that was a that was a nice, you know, nice signing by the uh, by the Bruins. And you know, they they uh, they've always had some depth in goal too. So it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though they're even though they're changing over both goalies this year, I think they'll be I think they'll be fine in that. Yeah, and Taylor Hall, of course, back there as well. Another team we didn't see last year. We'll wrap up the first uh, homestand of the season, and that's the Florida Panthers. And the Florida Panthers are a team that they had that first round series against Tampa. And what it was an absolute, just a war. You know, and you look at, at guys like Barkov and Ekblad returning and the, some of the pieces that they have. Bobrovsky, is he going to get off to a good starter? Is a guy like Spencer Knight going to be able to push him? A lot of people have Spencer Knight penciled in there as maybe one of those guys that can push for the Calder and, and win the rookie of the year in the NHL if he gets the requisite amount of ice time. Plus, it's a Joel Quenville team, but. Florida's a, a legit cup contender, so this is a good measuring stick early. They sure are. They, they are a team without uh, – I mean, they have a lot of quality players. Barkov is a, a, a tremendous – oh. You know, maybe they don't get the headlines of some other teams, but they uh, they are a tough team to play against, and they do not beat themselves, which is a hallmark of Joel Quenville teams. Yeah. But I mean, that, that really became the team's identity last year. They were a very, very tough team. To play against and the Flyers, as you said, will be a, be a tremendous test because if you open the door for them, they you know they have they have size, they have some speed, they have skill. I, I think Bill Zito, as general manager, has done a tremendous job putting together a competitive, well balanced 
team that uh, you know that, that plays a good two-way game and and just as a as a real tough out. I mean, they're uh, that's that, that's a tremendous challenge. I mean, the Flyers are going to you know see them, of course, a few more times now that you're back to a regular schedule. But that's uh that that's one of those sleeper teams that I think that maybe you know some people don't have a, at the very top, but but watch out for them because it's a dangerous team. Yeah, guys like Mackenzie Weger and Carter Verhage, and they make two acquisitions this summer. They get big jumbo Joe Thornton at 42 years of age, and they also make the deal and get Sam Reinhart. That's a big one for them. That's a, that's a big that's a big one for them. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know that's uh, a great addition to the team. They're right down the middle. But if but if I had to say who is the most underrated player in the NHL still, I'd say it's Barkov and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then that top that the top of their defense. Weger Weger was a guy who was was flying under the radar until Billy's two seasons ago. Yeah, and, uh, and every everybody knows who he is now. He's uh, he's a very good D. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, these first four games are incredibly compelling: Vancouver, Seattle, Boston, and Florida. Then the Flyers will hit the road for a three game road trip. They'll do something they didn't do last year either. They'll cross the border. They'll begin that road trip taking on. Dreisaitl and McDavid. <laughs> How about that? That task at hand when your first trip on the road to bring the boys together. Holy! <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Then they'll go to Vancouver and Calgary, and then they'll return home to take on Arizona, who is in full tank mode. But that'll be the return of Shane Gostisbehere. So uh, a lot of storylines, and we're all looking forward to it. Again, if you need to get tickets, sign up for Flyer, the Flyerwire newsletter at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and receive exclusive access to pre-sales, for all preseason and regular season October games, the pre-sale begins on September 21st. Just a few days away as rookie camp continues, training camp around the corner. Bill, thanks for doing this. And everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll bring you another one coming up on Monday as we inch closer to training camp and the full Monty at the Flyers Skate Zone. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you on Monday's Flyers Daily. That night.